Our text this morning comes from the 18th chapter of the prophecy of Jeremiah. The first four verses. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. In our text, the prophet of God is commanded to go down to the potter's house. And it was at the potter's house that he was going to receive a message from God. Now, admittedly, that seems a strange place to go to hear God's Word. I remember when the Ellis family owned the Marshall Pottery. They had plant one over on the north side of town, and then they had the new pottery out on the south side of town that uh, most of you might remember as the old world store. But they had all those warehouses and kills and potteries on the north side of town. Somehow I never would have thought of going to the Marshall Pottery to hear the Word of God. But God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and said, you go down to the potter's house. And when you go down to the potter's house, you're going to receive a message from God. And so the prophet of God was wise enough to do what God commanded him to do. He said, so I went down to the potter's house and he wrought a work on the wheel. When this prophet of God stepped inside the manufacturing establishment, there were three objects that at once compelled his attention. He saw a man at work a man that was making something. A man that was a potter doing something constructive. Secondly, he saw what that potter was working with. He saw a lump of clay on the potter's wheel that gradually began to take the shape of a vessel under the skillful touch of the potter. He saw a cup. And then the third thing that the prophet of God saw was what the potter was working on. A wheel. It was while Jeremiah looked upon these three things that he received the divine message from God. Verses 5 and 6. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The potter is God. 
our Father, the Creator of this universe. The cup that the potter is working on is me and you. It's men and women. It's folks like us. And the wheel that He's using to shape that lump of clay is all the providences and processes that God uses in our lives in an effort to mold us and shape us and fashion us in His own image. As the prophet of God goes down to the potter, the potter is working diligently, giving his attention to a task. And just like that potter at the potter's house was giving his full and complete attention to that task at hand of making that cup on the potter's wheel, so is also God. Our God is never an idler in this universe. Our Jesus is never an idler in this universe. Jesus said, My Father worketh even until now, and I work in John chapter 5 and verse 17. Our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is a ceaseless toiler. It's possible to work. And it's possible to work hard and not be a Christian. But no man or woman today can be a Christian and be a deliberate and willful idler. If I'm going to have fellowship with God, then I must work as Jesus worked and as God worked. This potter is working and he's making something. He's working constructively. And that's what God does every day. Our God is not in this world to try to wreck it. Our God is not in this world to try to ruin it. Our God is not here to seek or to kill or destroy. We can look around us and we can see human wreckage all around us. But the human wreckage that you and I see in our world was not made by the hand of God. God is ever here as a builder, and God is never here as a destroyer. And listen to it. Even the weakest among us, God does not and will not break and cast aside. God is the supreme builder. God is the remaker of broken things. He's the one who reshapes shattered things. That potter that Jeremiah saw is working on the wheel with a lump of clay and he's trying to make a vessel. He's trying to make a cup. And our God, our Heavenly Father, He's trying to make me and you into Christ-like men and women. And He extends His infinite energy on us trying to make us Christ-like. He built this universe. He keeps it in repair. Rodney mentioned it a moment ago. And you can't see it. But the sun is shining so beautifully. Just a few hours ago, it was coming a torrential 
downpour. And now the God of the universe has ceased the rains and brought the sunlight out to flood this old earth with its warmth and its light. God keeps this universe in repair. And it's a small tax upon His powers. The creation of this universe, the flinging of the stars into space, the putting of the sun and the moon into their orbits, those were trifling chores for a God as strong and as mighty and as powerful as our God. What taxes God's ability, what really taxes God, is the building of manhood and the building of womanhood. What taxes God is the remaking of damaged and broken lives. It's the remaking of damaged and broken lives that means an abiding in Gethsemane. It's the remaking of damaged and broken lives that requires the journey up Calvary's hill. It's the remaking of broken and shattered lives that is continually costing the agony of the cross that Jesus hung on. When you look at the cross, when you look at Gethsemane, when you look at the trek up Calvary's hill, when you see the broken body of Jesus hanging on the cross, that's when we realize that our Lord and our God spares Himself no pain. He spares Himself no agony in building and remaking human souls. That potter is at work constructively and intelligently. That potter, as he shapes that vessel on the wheel, he's working according to a plan. As the prophet looks at it first, it's just inert and plastic clay. But under the skillful touch of the potter, as the wheels turn, it takes shape in his hand. And it becomes a finished product. As that prophet looks at it, he sees this lump of clay. And there's little beauty in it. There's little usefulness in it. But is there a place where that lump of clay is a finished product? Yes, there is. Is there a place where that lump of clay is useful? Yes. Is there a place where that misshapen wad of clay can hold refreshment for a parched mount? Yes. It's in the mind of the potter. As that potter sees that lump of misshapen plastic clay... He sees more than that. He sees in his mind the vessel that he's going to make. He sees the beautiful dream he's dreamed for that piece of clay. And he's seeking with every fiber of his being to make his dream become a reality. Now what happens? Have you ever watched the potter work on the wheel? 
He's working constructively. He's working intelligently. He has a plan. And sometimes success is mingled with failure. The potter doesn't realize his purpose in every piece of clay. As the prophet watched him work that day, he saw that bit of ugly clay gradually assume a form of usefulness and loveliness. But then something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. The vessel that the potter was working on lost its symmetry. It became to all appearances a blunder, a terrible mistake, a mere deformity. As strange as it might seem to us, God, the great potter, He sometimes fails to realize His purpose. God has a plan for every life. It's not always easy to believe that. It's not always easy to see and tell just what that plan is. But we can be as sure of this as we are of the nature of God Himself. God has plans for us. God has planned that you and I would be loving and not loveless. God has planned that we would be clean rather than unclean. God has planned that we would help rather than hinder. And God has planned that we would serve rather than simply be served. Sometimes folks disappoint God. Sometimes folks thwart the purpose of God. And sometimes many a life goes wrong. We can look in this world all around us and there are marred souls. But the cause cause of those marred souls is not that God planned that it would be that way. It's because God found it impossible to realize His purpose. I've watched those skilled potters work on the potter's wheel. I've watched the potter with his hands full of clay make a failure. And sometimes God, the divine potter, fails. It happens. We can't close our eyes to that. Our God is great enough. Our God is loving enough. Our God can run the risk of failure. God is great enough to bear the heartache and tragic disappointment of failure. God has failed in many a human life. The question we have to ask is, is God failing in His purpose in my life? Is God failing His effort to realize the dream of the best I have in me? At this very moment. You see, God does not fail because of His ignorance. That potter Jeremiah was watching, he might have failed because he misjudged the clay that he was working with. He might have seen possibilities that weren't really there. He might have dreamed a bigger dream for the clay than it was capable of realizing. 
But it's not the way, that way with God. God knows me. He knows you. God knows us just like we are. And God is fully acquainted with all of our possibilities. God knows what every one of us is capable of becoming. You remember when He met Simon? He said, you're Simon. You're going to be Cephas. When He told Simon He was going to become a rock-solid character, it looked like He was expecting way, way too much out of Simon. But He wasn't. So why? Why does the potter fail? Why does the divine potter fail? Why did the potter working with the clay fail? There was something in that clay. As that potter was working with that clay on that wheel, there was something in that clay that resisted him. Something that made that first dream impossible. And that's the only reason God ever fails with us. There's one reason, and only one reason, that there is ever an ugly and marred soul in all the world. And that is because that soul is resisting the potter. There would be no strife at all, no problem at all between mankind and God except for one tragic, one tragic fact. Men and women sometimes resist God. That's the difference in us and a lump of clay. The clay has no will. You and I do. We can say no to God. We can shake our puny fist in the face of God and we can defy God. We can. By our obstinacy and by our stubbornness. Spoil one by one the fine purposes and plans that God makes for us. And when we resist God, when we say no to God, when we shake our puny fist in the face of God, there's only one outcome. We become marred. It says in the text that the vessel that He made was marred in the hand of the potter. Isn't that sad? Something that in the mind of this potter was going to be an object of beauty and usefulness became a monstrosity. Think about Saul, the king of Israel. Think about what a fine dream God had for Saul. But Saul was afraid of the will of God. So he resisted and he held back and he took his life out of God's hand. Do you remember the last words of Saul, the king of Israel? He ended his life falling on his own sword. He ended his life as a tragic ruin. And his last words were, I have pleased.
played the fool. Or there was Judas. God had a wonderful plan for the life of Judas, but Judas felt like he could do better for himself. And he turned away from Jesus and he ended up a suicide victim buried in a potter's field. To resist God is to rob ourselves. When we resist God, our sin of resisting God can hurt many folks. But it certainly hurts us. Jeremiah's potter took that marred vessel. What would you expect him to do with it? Well, the reasonable thing would be for him to take it and throw it away. Get a new lump of clay and start over again. And That's what the prophet expected him to do. But to his amazement, he didn't. The vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Another vessel. He took that marred and ugly thing and he shaped it back into a lump of clay and began the task of forming it again. When we disappoint God, when we defy God and break His heart, we can be thankful that God does not get impatient with us and God does not throw us away. I don't know about you, but sometimes I realize what a blunderer I am. And when I realize what a blunderer I am, I sometimes wonder, why doesn't God just give up? You ever felt that way? Why doesn't God just give up on me? Have you ever made a good resolution and soon forgotten it? Have you ever made a good strong blow in defense of right and then lose your courage and take to your heels? Glancing upward in a moment of inspiration and take our stand again then in the muck and the mire of sin? Have you ever disappointed God? All of us have. If you look at me right now and say, I've never in my life disappointed God, I will not buy a used car or anything else from you. But no matter what we do, no matter how we act, no matter how we disappoint Him, God never loses heart. Because no failure daunts God. And no disappointment can embitter Him. When we, through sin and folly, wreck ourselves, God sets right in and makes us again, just like the potter Jeremiah went to see did that day. What a gospel that is for a world like ours. And what a gospel that is for men and women like us. Have you ever heard somebody refer to the gospel as the gospel of the second chance? 
It's more than that. Oh, it's it's much, much more than that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance. It's the gospel of the millionth chance. God has commanded us to forgive until 70 times 7 and surely our God will do no less Himself. God ever stands ready to make us all over again. And He confronts every one of us with the question, will you be made whole? And if we say yes, He will remake us. Like the prophet Jeremiah saw, He will make it again. Another blessed, another vessel. There's only one way that God will and we will end up like those vessels outside the potter's house. You see, sometimes folks just keep resisting God. Just suppose that potter in Jeremiah's day, suppose he had spoiled that vessel a third and a fourth and a fifth time and kept patiently at it. Well, you see, all the while that clay would gradually be hardening. And all the while that clay would be becoming less plastic. And if you step outside the potter's house, you'll find yourself in the potter's field. And as you walk through there, you'll feel the crunch of broken earthenware under your feet. How did it get there? Did the potter make a vessel to just break it? No. That broken clay in the potter's field is the clay that hardened in the hands of the potter and there was nothing left to do but throw it away. And the way that I can avoid that tragedy in my life, and the way we can all avoid that tragedy in our lives, is to re- surrender our stubborn will to Jesus Christ. When we surrender our will to the will of God, He'll remake us. And we will find the secret of the high blessedness of life. It's His invitation as we stand and while we